Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Well, I don't know about you, but I think a lot of folks are ready to see this trade week over with. It's been a tough week for the markets. Uh, perfect storm. We're going to talk a little bit about what's going on. We know that um, exports, we look at that. This grain corridor discussion was all taking place, but we're ahead when it comes to planning progress, which we predicted just about a week ago. We figured once the guys could get in the field, it was going to go quite quickly. But there is still some drought concerns going on in the U.S. If you flip the page, we've got the cattle numbers um, looking at $2 higher on the cash on a Friday, but that's a discount uh, when you look at the board to that cash market. And these hogs, well, the hogs have struggles all their own. We're going to get all these details on what's been happening in the market today with Alan Brugler at Brugler Marketing and Management. And can you sum it up to say it's just really really been a tough week for these markets? I think that's a, there's a lot of red ink on the screen. And if you've got multiple ag commodities on there, they're, they're mostly red. So yeah, it's a tough week. So as we look at all of the different ebbs and flows that are happening within this market trade, let's talk about what you what you called ahead of this uh, recording, the perfect storm. Really not a lot going on right now when it comes to export numbers or coming in on the lower side. Kind of what's your thoughts? Yeah, we've we've kind of anticipated this. Uh, you know, the market has a tendency after multi-year highs like we had last year to to revert to the mean. Okay, we we killed demand and we increased production somewhere in the world to to meet that higher price level. And uh, there was some uncertainty back in in March and April where we thought, well, maybe the Brazilians will have some dryness issues. They're, they're planting their second crop corn late. Or the U.S. might have some problems due to the heavy snowpack. Now those problems have kind of eased up, but we still don't have the export sales. So uh, you've got fundamental reasons to kind of take it down a notch and, and try and find that demand. And then you've got, uh, of course, some outside market things going too, with the, the dollar being the highest it's been in several months. And the stock market acting okay in terms of wanting some money to go that direction. No surprise, though. I mean, exports usually this time we do start to see some quietness. But again, China doing another cancellation. I think, what is this, the fourth week in a row we've seen cancellations from them? Yeah, they've had several cancellations. Of course, they they bought quite a bit back there in March. And it, uh, that was all for old crop shipment. Uh, at the time, I was pretty bulled up on, on corn. And we were getting a nice little rally because I didn't think the elevators had the, had the corn to fill those orders. And uh, for a while, that was good. But uh, what happened was the Brazilians, uh, President Lula down there, went to see the Chinese and said, hey, uh, you've approved our corn for shipment now. We've got corn, and uh, we'll make sure you get corn, even if there's some issues with the new crop. And uh, basically, they're underpricing us. So China's China's uh, getting more corn from their new socialist friends in Brazil, and they're they're canceling some of the U.S. orders as as they do so. Now the grain corridor discussion, of course, came back up as we saw an agreement made. Now there's a lot of he said he said going on uh, with this. What is what is your spin? What are you hearing about this deal right now between Russia and Ukraine? Well, you have to remember the the original UN deal was was 120 days. The the Russians were insisting they were only going to honor it for 60 days, even though it was supposed to be a renewal of the existing terms. Uh, so now you come to the end of the 60 days, and uh, the, suddenly they do agree to uh, let it run for another 60 days. I think a lot of this actually has to do with China. Uh, China is, is uh, still buying quite a bit of stuff from from Ukraine, uh, notably corn, 4.9 million tons since the quarter opened last July. 
uh, they are the single biggest corn buyer from Ukraine in that period. So uh, China's supposedly Russia's friend. I think they are probably uh, whispering in Putin's ear and saying, uh, yeah, we'd like a little more of that if you can keep it open. Uh, the Russians keep saying they want a better deal. Uh, the interesting thing was they, the Russians are trying to get a, an ammonia pipeline from Russia into a Ukrainian port opened up. Uh, they want to export ammonia through the Ukrainian port. Ukrainians uh, have been reluctant to do that because it's putting money in Putin's pocket to buy missiles. But on the other hand, the world would like to have that that cheaper end. So uh, that was one of the sticking points in this negotiation. I think the Russians have also figured out that they can uh, throttle this to their to their content just by managing the inspections in the Bosporus there in Turkey. Uh, when they are unhappy about something or just want to make a point, they just slow down the inspections. Those vessels sit there and incur demerits charges, and, and nobody's happy. So with this initiative, too, as, as I was doing some reading uh, yesterday, they said some of the biggest countries that are going to win on this are like Africa, uh, Middle East, and, and as you mentioned, parts of Asia as well that require, or really not require, but rely on all these different food products moving through. Yeah, uh, it's it's definitely that's definitely the UN's talking point is that we need that that cheap wheat and cheap uh, other grains from from Russia and Ukraine to go to those 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 price buyers those those poorer countries. I think I, the other day when I looked that there were 28 countries that had received at least some wheat from Ukraine under this deal. So they are spreading it around pretty good, and a lot of those countries are. Or poor third world countries that really can't afford to pay for premium wheat out of the U.S. or or Europe, for example. Uh, but yeah, so the, the politics that makes it work is is the poor countries need the the low cross grain. Uh, the economics are uh, the your Ukrainians need the money, particularly the Ukrainian farmers need the money, and uh, Russia's happy as long as they're getting to make their export sales too. They just keep trying to get a little better deal than the one they had before. All right, well, stick around, folks. We've got a lot more coming up as we get ready for the second half of the Fontenelle Final Bell on this Friday. We're going to look at what's going to on with this crop out of Brazil. Of course, the second crop is underway, making some good progress. Uh, could it be developing some cheaper offers as we look at the rest of this summer? Also, we'll take a look at plantings here in the States, of course, where we're at weather-wise, and a whole lot more. Stick around. Part two is just around the corner. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. As you've probably heard, there will be some changes coming for Fontenelle hybrids. Bear Crop Science has announced Fontenelle will be joining 10 Bear Seed brands to launch the new Enhanced Channel Seed brand. You'll get the same excellent products and service you come to expect from Fontenelle, along with expanded product offerings and increased agronomy support. You'll still be able to purchase your trusted Fontenelle products for 2024, and rest assured we'll work hard to continue to earn your business through this transition. Read and follow pesticide label directions, green marketing, and other stewardship practices. Fontenelle and Channel are trademarks of Bear Group. Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Continuing our conversation this afternoon with Alan Brugler with Brugler Marketing and Management. And kind of left off talking about what we're seeing globally. Uh, let's go down to Brazil. This second crop continues to make some good progress. What are you hearing? Is it going to mean some cheaper options out there when it comes to corn this summer? Well, you've got a couple things to consider there. Brazil's, uh, again, the Monte Grosso, Monte Grosso de Sul, Goias area, 
generally in pretty good shape. There's a there's a few dry pockets popping up. It is the middle of the dry season, but if you look at the NDVI, that's the greenness indicators, and particularly crop mapped NDVI, which is only looking just at corn, uh, they're in pretty good shape yet. Uh, the uh, southern crop, the, the smaller acreage areas, Paraná, Rio Grande do Sul, uh, a little more stressed and a little later planted, probably uh, not doing quite as well. But at this point, you really can't knock back the production estimates down there. And uh, they, they are so big that if 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 the crop makes it to maturity at the current estimated uh, production, They'll be they'll be selling against the U.S. Uh, out into October and November, and that that means our first quarter sales for next year aren't very good. And if you look at USDA's commitments year to date for for new crop, they're extremely low. So the world market is sitting there saying, well, as long as that cheap Brazilian stuff's coming, we don't need to uh, chase U.S. orders this early. Uh, the the other side of that though is prices in in Brazil have been flirting with price support levels. Uh, in other words, corn price has been so low that it's almost gotten to the point where the Brazilian government might have to prop them up. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's not clear how much cheaper it can get right here, but it has been a factor. You've been taking risk premium out of the out of the D's corn for sure. We definitely saw some some pickup when it came to planting progress uh, here in the states, kind of surpassing some of these averages. Yeah, we're we're running ahead of average, and uh, the the weather pattern is is cleaned up fairly nicely. Of course, there's still some wet areas in the north. There's still some areas of dryness that are concerns, but that won't stop you from planting, right? It's it's more what happens next. So. Yeah, again, we're taking some weather premium out because at the moment things look pretty good. The 6 to 10, 8 to 14 day forecast look uh, lean wetter than normal for the western half of the United States, western Mississippi. Uh, it's going to be fairly warm north of 570 the next two weeks, at least above average temps. But, uh, you know, producers have, have upgraded their equipment. They can they can plant a lot of the crop. I think probably 40% of the U.S. crop in a week if if the conditions are ideal, and you're you're seeing that response here over the last two weeks. We're really we're really catching up, getting ahead now. I want to switch gears uh, before we run out of time and take a look at the happenings of this livestock market. And we did see some higher cash on those that waited till the end of the week, saw some big benefits out of the north. But you said it's kind of got a discount right now when you look at it, the board to the cash. Yeah, the board the board's only 165 on the June. Uh, of course, we have cattle and feed report coming up on Friday afternoon, uh, just a few minutes from when we're talking. The uh, uh, discount will have to be addressed over the next uh, 45 to 50 days. You'll have to either see the cash come down seasonally into June, or you see the board rally. Uh, the bias right now is the board rallies because of the the where we are in the the cattle cycle, but we are a little technically overbought going into Friday here. So it could be a buy the rumor sell the fact on a on a modestly bullish or or slightly bearish cattle on feed report, but we're still friendly cattle longer term. What about these hogs? Hogs just can't get out of their own way. Uh, you get a, you get a two or three dollar rally, then you get a two or three dollar sell off. Uh, that just can't really get going. Uh, the June board is is now only about five dollars premium to the index uh, at at uh, 
one point a month or so ago, it was about a $10 premium. And we have seen historically sometimes $20 premiums from the spring low in the index to the summer high in the futures. So it's basically not anticipating a whole bunch of a move in the, in the cash index. We are seeing the index come up. It was 78.42 again on Friday. The uh, one thing that we're tracking pretty closely is sow slaughter. It looks like um, some of the um, farrowing intentions that, that, that were in the earlier hogs and pigs report are changing. Producers are looking to liquidate a few more of those sows and deciding it's just not working, it's just not penciling with this kind of cash price or this kind of cutout price. And uh, that's really put some pressure on sow prices. Uh, they're, they're as low as they were in, during the COVID time back in, in 2020. Great stuff that we talked about today, Alan. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? Oh, call us at 402-697-3623. Visit our website, www.brugler, B-R-U-G-L-E-R, marketing, all one word, dot com. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Brugler MKTG. And uh, we're on Facebook as well. All right. Thanks so much. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options involve a substantial risk of loss, not suitable to all investors. And that's the Fontenelle Final Bell, brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.